0: My name is Emily Flores, I am 19 years old and I am the founder and editor-in-chief of Cripple Media. Teenagers are just so powerful and we're truly like a force to be reckoned with. You are never too young to start something. It will definitely not be easy, but the work you'll be doing will be so impactful.
1: Welcome to the Genius Generation, a podcast where we talk to young people doing incredible things in the world of STEM. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Castillo. I'm a science producer, writer, and content creator with a PhD in science communication. On today's episode, we're talking to Emily Flores, who is a journalist and the founder of Cripple Media, a media company that creates content that is actually representative of young disabled people. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So to start off our talk, Cripple Media is the first media company that is exclusively ran by disabled people. Can you give us a brief rundown as to what your company produces?
0: We actually first started out as an online magazine, but now we're kind of a bootstrap media company that is really aiming to kind of produce all sorts of content to really represent the disability community truthfully and also engage our community at the same time.
1: Why was it important to have this type of representation in the digital space?
0: I'm a power wheelchair user because of my muscular dystrophy. And so pretty much I've been in a wheelchair all my life. When I was very young, I noticed that I stuck out like a sore thumb. My wheelchair was very loud and clunky, and I felt like I took up too much space. And so I would kind of try to find some type of refuge in media, you know, kind of like any kid does, TV shows or books or anything like that. But I think what was starkly different for me and so many other kids with disabilities is that the only representation that we have of kids like us are stories that are either, like, super, super just sad, tragic, and dehumanizing, or just treated as if our lives are inspirational just for living them.
1: I kind of want to talk about the name in terms of like labeling your media company as Crippled Media. Like what was that significance to you? When we first
0: launched, the reactions that we had first gotten were very shocked, like outraged people, just very confused as to why we were named like that. The main central reason was when I was kind of sketching out like what type of platform I wanted Cripple to be. One of the things that was most important to me as I was kind of, you know, building it was something that felt truly representative of us. The word, the slur, Cripple, now holds a very special relationship with our community because in uh, past disability rights movements, a lot of community members have chosen to reclaim the slur and kind of, you know, take back our power against the slur. You can even describe it as like a counterculture movement in the community.
1: You mentioned that you started doing journalism at a very young age. When was that shift of having to work for others and do other types of stories into wanting to create stories for yourself and starting to develop these ideas for crippled media?
0: I first started out kind of doing freelance reporting and kind of getting introduced to the world of journalism when I was 14. At the time, it was like my freshman year of high school. Everybody was kind of like starting jobs, working in a grocery store, bookstore. I was a wheelchair user, so I wasn't really sure if I could be a bagger at a grocery store. So I thought, well, I really like writing. I'm really interested in it. It's kind of the one thing that I feel really good doing. I kind of just decided to Google writing jobs for teens. And thankfully, I actually found this really cool posting that was actually looking for disabled teen writers. When I saw this, I knew nothing about journalism. The extent of my writing was fan fiction and like random scribbling in my Google Drive. My first assignment as a reporter was to talk about the lack of representation there was of disabled women in Hollywood. When I started reporting, I started to learn all these new things, how to connect with sources, how to connect with people to talk to, and through this, you know, I was finding other people like me, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is everything that I wanted for myself, but I never knew that it was possible for me. I never thought that I could carve this space for myself. The amount of disabled journalists that I can count are probably on one single hand, and so I realized what better way to really amplify my voice than to multiply it by hopefully many, 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 many other voices just like mine. What that ended up translating to Several months later, was drafting an outlet and a magazine of you know young disabled people like me who were into the same things like me like graphic design, writing, music, journalism, fan fiction, memes. You know all those like same things, but we were all kind of like motivated by one reason, which was to kind of change the way that we are perceived in the industry and society at large and also make space for ourselves and create what a future could look like for so many other kids. What were the stages
1: of development
0: with Cripple Media? At first, I didn't even know where to start. When I had finally come up with the idea, what I'm gonna do is create a magazine for other teens and kids like me. I kind of knew that I wanted to focus on online because I knew that remote work was the most accessible for us and for our community. It was really tricky figuring out how I can create an online magazine, what that entails, what we need in a team, how often do we need to publish, how do we grow our presence. The next step was to kind of just build out our team. The day that I decided that we would go live, I took our social media accounts live, I took our website live, and I put out a call on our social media being like, hey, we are a newly established online magazine, we're Cripple Magazine. We are dedicated to really changing the way that we young disabled people are perceived. We're looking for contributors from the ages 13 to late 20s and we'd love to hear from you. We want to build this movement with you. Thankfully, I still can't believe it, but thankfully we were able to get a lot of applications and submissions and a lot of word of mouth.
1: I wanna go back to kind of like the content that you develop What is the range or types of stories you guys mostly focus on? Is it mostly health? Is it just kind of pop culture? Or do you even talk about like any science stuff on your platforms? We
0: always wanted to really make sure that we cover like a wide variety of things, like really anything that anybody wanted to write about. Disabled people not only want to talk about disability, we also want to talk about, like, literally everything and anything. And maybe even with a disability angle on it or, you know, talk about our own experiences, of course. That is, like, the central part of our outlet, but also just literally anything like a random show or like a random specific chapter in a book. We cover pop culture, entertainment, news, politics, tech, fashion, or any sort of different stuff like that. We kind of, you know, inherently write about disability, calling out ableism. So when talking about kind of calling out
1: ableism, can you give us an example of how that looks?
0: One of our writers, Brianna, she had written a listicle of 10 movies that are famous for their disability stories. And kind of breaking each movie down as to why they are actually really, really ableist (laughs) and really, really just bad for learning about disability.
1: Would you say the biggest struggle you faced in launching is just learning how to develop the, was to design like a magazine and to really figure out like what outlet you were trying to do?
0: One of my most important values to us ever since we started was paying our contributors. Something that was really important to me as I started working as a journalist was that disabled people are woefully underpaid for really anything in the workforce, but also, of course, particularly creative jobs. And this is even more so true for young people. My ultimate dream for Cripple is for us to become an outlet where young disabled people can come to us to start hopefully working in the media. think that you're doing something that's so unique and
1: so niche, I have no doubt that your goal of being able to provide for those that are developing your content and to have these collaborations that can help sustain that, I have no doubt that'll happen to you. (laughs) With that big vision in mind, what has been the impact of your outlet so far?
0: Well, now it's really wild to say, but we've been existing for like almost four years now which is literally weird. We've been able to receive messages from younger people that have been following us. They send us messages like, thank you so much for existing. We had received an email from a 12 year old. I still have that email saved because it was my absolute favorite. They were basically saying that they uh, were in their seventh grade year of middle school and that their teacher showed them cripple media and that they were so excited and that they felt so happy. It truly reaffirmed everything that we had been doing up until that point. As we've been able to exist, we've been able to be featured by the print version of the New York Times. We've been featured by Yahoo, The Verge. I've just been really grateful that we've been able to kind of continue on our work. What would you tell someone who is
1: inspired by your work or wants to do something similar in terms of either creating an outlet or creating
0: a community for identities that they align with? First and foremost, that you are never too young <laughs> to start something. It will definitely not be easy. It'll definitely not be like a linear road, but I think that the work you'll be doing will be so impactful and so cool. I think that teenagers are just so powerful and we're truly like a force to be reckoned with. And I'm really sad about turning 20 this year. but. <laughs> But I'll forever write a love letter to adolescents because I just think it's such a magical and difficult and twisted and, you know, rocky road. But I think you'll really find yourself along the way.
1: I love that so much. <laughs> if you can change one thing about our current state of the world, what would you change?
0: I would change the way that disability is perceived in society, either subconsciously or consciously. Often we aren't really perceived with autonomy, boundaries, we should really dismantle the oppressive structures that kind of inhibit us and also our societal attitudes around disability and the stereotypes that surround it.
1: I really hope that those that are contributing to your media outlet and to the stories that you guys are covering are able to kind of like, again, continue to grow, to shine the light and be able to, yeah, make a change and, and make a difference. So it's really exciting. But thank you so much, Emily. I love this conversation. You're so rad, you're so cool and really looking forward to kind of seeing the growth We're already seeing the growth and what the new outlets and medias that you guys are going to be developing. So thank you so much for this conversation.
0: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it so, so much. Thank
1: you so much for listening this week's episode of Genius Generation. Make sure to tune in next week to hear our next guest and all the incredible things that they're up to. We'll see you next time. Funding for The Genius Generation comes from the Arthur Vining Davis Foundations, investing in our common future. Support for Tracks comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is Trax from PRX.